Welcome in to episode 11 of the Print Fest DFS podcast. I am your host, Justin Rue, alongside Scott Bandy. And we're going to be breaking down the week 11 DraftKings slate. And it is a week uh, devoid of much value at all. Uh, there's a couple guys to pay up for uh, at running back and, and at wide receiver. Tight end, there's no Kelsey, no Kittle, no Waller. There's very little to pay up for there. Um, so it leaves us in kind of a weird spot, also not having any quarterbacks to pay up for. All of the big quarterbacks are off the board. Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, uh, Russell Wilson, all the big guys, Patty Mahomes, are all not on the slate. So it leaves us at the quarterback position in a position where we can pay down. Um, and it kind of feels like 2018 where we're not paying up for the position, trying to get these guys who can who can get there rushing and uh, and with their arm with their arms. So it is going to be an interesting slate, uh, you know, with not having a lot of value uh, at the running back position. So starting off at the quarterback position, uh, I think there's a couple guys that are viable. Um, you know, if you're looking for guys that can get there with their arm and with their legs, I think that uh, you don't have to look anywhere higher than 6,500 because with Deshaun Watson, you get a quarterback who is at home. He has a decent total of uh, right around 24. Uh, it's a decent pace game here against New England. Uh, he's been playing well over the last four game, or last five games. He's averaged 26 points per game. Um, and he's also averaged 38 rushing yards per game. And he's taking on a New England defense that gives up 8.6 yards per attempt and their 30th DVOA against the pass. So I think um, – you know, if you're looking for a quarterback that can get there rushing, and he definitely has upside, uh, I think Sean Watson is really a solid play at 6,500. Yeah, man, Watson's been honestly kind of like a revenge tour against Bill O'Brien. Ever since they cut him loose, he's been smashing with the uh, one exception of that game last week against Cleveland. But, I mean, if you take weather into consideration – you can't really expect too much there. Uh, but, man, Watson's been absolutely smashing every week. So, at 6,500, when we're devoid of all the high-ceiling guys, you know, Russ, Mahomes, Kyler. We do have Rodgers on the slate, but he doesn't really give that rushing floor. Um, Watson provides that solid floor with with probably the best ceiling on the slate. A lot of people don't realize how mediocre, at best, uh, the New England defense has been this year. Um, they really – it's like hands of heat between last year and this year. Um, so I really like Watson that spot. I think it's a sneaky shootout game too. Uh, we know how bad Houston's defense is. So I think Cam going back, I mean, I can see this game approaching, you know, 55, 60 points. Yeah, the only concern in this game is that we know New England wants to run the ball and we know Houston is terrible at stopping the run. So it's possible that uh, you know, that New England could just run all day on, on Houston and really control the time of possession and not give enough uh, time for, for Sean Watson to really get anything going. Uh, so you had mentioned before that this is one of the slates that the opportunity cost of quarterback isn't as high as in, in most weeks. So uh, it's not a bad spot to pay down. And I think if we're going to pay down to find a little bit of value uh, I think it's Joe Burrow at 5,500. Uh, the game's got an over-under of 47. 
Uh, it actually opened at 45 and a half, so it's moving upwards. Uh, 22 and three quarter implied total. Um, you know, let's just keep it simple. He's pretty cheap for the volume that we're seeing from him. He's just simply cheap. Um, he's second in the entire league in pass attempts with uh, 370. The only guy who's had more this year is actually Tom Brady, believe it or not. Hmm. Um, and you can see this in the last four games he's played, his pass attempts going back the last month, 39, 47, 37, and 40. So that's averaging a little less than 41 a game. That's elite. You know, if we get that from every quarterback, we would be <laughs> very, very happy. Yep. Um, as a result of that, he's hit the bonus in five of the 10 games he's played this year. I mean, when you're throwing that much, you open up access to that steal on any given week. It really is ridiculous. Um, and despite how much volume we're seeing, he really it's really amazing. He still only has a touchdown rate of 3.2%, of, uh, which is well below the league average of around four and a half. So he's only got 12 options on the year through uh, nine or 10 games now. So I think he's still, we've been screaming regression, regression, regression with Burrow all year, and it still hasn't, ha it still hasn't hit. But why not this week? I mean, he's just so, so cheap. Um, the matchup isn't great. Washington's only allowing the fourth fewest points to opposing quarterbacks over the last month. Uh, they're fifth in DVOA and first in yards allowed per pass attempt over the last month. Um, so there are, there's a little bit of a concern with the matchup, but man, the volume he's seeing at that price tag, he really should be at least 6K. Yeah, he should absolutely be over 6K. Uh, there's no reason that he should be, you know, 700 more than Taysom Hill. <laughs> there's, there's just no reason for it. Um, and, and I do want to touch on Taysom Hill. So uh, it was announced today by, Adam Schefter that Taysom Hill is going to be the starter and James Winston is not going to be involved in the game. I don't know about that. I think it's, it's hard for me to see Taysom Hill drop it back and throw the ball 35 times because uh, he only has like 11 pass attempts in his entire career. So, uh, and he was garbage. He was, he was a terrible uh, quarterback at BYU in college. Um, yeah, the guy's over 30 years old and he has 11 pass attempts in the entire his, in his whole career. So, I can't see him going back and just slinging it back and forth all over the place. I think Jameis will be involved, but Schefter says that uh, that it's just going to be the Taysom Hill show. But so, I mean, Taysom is 4,800, and you know he's going to get probably 35 to 50 rushing yards, and he might score a rushing touchdown. Um, it's definitely in his bag. So I, I honestly, I think that this, this Taysom Hill thing is like a Tim Tebow situation where he's not going to throw much, but he he's going to be electric on the ground. And at 4,800, I mean – they do have a 28 implied total. Uh, you could definitely do worse for quarterbacks with a 28 implied total sitting at 4,800. I think he's definitely going to be projecting well, especially against this Atlanta defense. That's absolutely putrid 29 PVOA against the pass. Um, I, I think Taysom Hill is fine. I mean, I guess if you, if you really need the value there, I, I think that his floor is pretty low given the fact that he's Taysom Hill. Uh, but and there is some opportunity cost at the QB position. It's not like we're talking about tight end where it's like, yeah, you can just punt it off. And, you know, to be a top 12 tight end, all you have to do is catch a touchdown. At quarterback, you really need like 20 to, you know, 23 points to be a top 12 quarterback, even on this slate. So I, t I don't think Taysom Mill is getting to, to 25. I think there's no shot he gets to 25. Uh, he would have to run in at least two touchdowns to get there. So I think Taysom Hill 
you know, he, he has an iffy floor because he's Taysom Hill, and I don't know what kind of ceiling he's got. So I don't really think Taysom Hill is viable, but I, I just wanted to mention him because he's such a uh, fun player to talk about. Yeah, I mean, so on FanDuel, I know we don't really talk about FanDuel, but he's tight end eligible, so he's a total lock, and he's cheap. He's like the men at tight end on FanDuel, so you just lock him in and you just don't think twice about that. On DraftKings, it's a different story. He's only quarterback eligible. Um, I would be really hard-pressed to believe that Jameis doesn't get work in this game. I think Jameis will get something. He is the far superior quarterback. I don't care what Schefter's saying. I don't care what Sean Payton's saying. There is no way that this is going to be all Taysom Hill. And I honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, we see Jameis to come out and start the second half because Taysom just shoot the bed. He yeah, that rushing floor, which is fine, but man, it's risky. Yeah, I mean, I, I, that's why I'm on the Falcons' defense. I think this could be a real train wreck for, for this Saints' offense. And you know, I do like Alvin Kamara, but I, I think that this, this would just be a train wreck. I think Taysom Hill could go out there and throw two interceptions in the first half, and then have Jameis come in the second half and be like, yeah, and Jameis will throw a couple interceptions as well. So it's like. I think that 2300 Falcons defense is definitely in play <laughs> if you're looking to punt at all. Yeah, I, I like them even better when, when Jameis was the assumed starter. I saw someone on Twitter earlier this week. I can't remember who it was. He said, I can't wait to stack Jameis with two of his pass catchers. And they had Michael Thomas and the Falcons defense. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so classic. But, yeah, man, it's just really risky to roll out Taysom on DraftKings. I would be fading that. You know, completely fading that. I don't even think I would dabble in tournaments, really. I just don't think it's worth it. Yeah, so moving over to running back, I, I mentioned Alvin Kamara, and I, the main reason that we're interested in Alvin Kamara is his consistency. He's been the top 10 running back in every game in 2020. You know, he's taken on Atlanta defense that has actually been really solid on the ground, so opposing running backs only give up 3.6 yards per carry, which is sixth in the league. But they're they're 28th in receiving points allowed per game, so this is a, and this is a defense that historically has been gashed through the air uh, with running backs. And Alvin Kamara, uh, in his last five games, you know he he's had 8.8 targets per game and 115 total yards from scrimmage on 18 touches and 67% of the snaps. And we know that he has a solid goal line role. He he averages 2.2 opportunities inside the 10 per game. That's right up there with Dalvin Cook, Zeke. Aaron Jones, that's right up there with the top guys in the NFL. And like we mentioned before, they have a 28 implied total. They're at home. They're in the Superdome. They're five-point favorites. Everything really lines up for Alvin Kamara. The real thing is just his price. I mean, he's 9,200, and that's really getting up there for him where he needs – he definitely needs a touchdown to get there, but his floor is just so high. I I think the only player on this entire slate with a higher floor than him there might be two. It might be Dalvin Cook and Devontae Adams that have higher floors than him. I think that's about it. So, I mean, at 9,200, it's kind of tough to get there, especially if you're playing Dalvin. But I think if you can get there, that floor in cash games is so valuable, especially on a slate where there's not a lot of, of guys that can really get you. Like, I think just getting 20 points is valuable. How many players are just going to score 20 points on the slate? Not many. And Alvin Kamara, it will probably get to 20 points on this slate. Uh, I, I'm not sure about what his ceiling is with Taysom Hill, 
but I think that there's going to be a lot of checkdowns for him. They're probably going to be leaning on the run a lot in this game. Um, so, you know, Adam Kamara, 9,200, I think he's really solid. Yeah, I'll say I'm, I'm really conflicted with Kamara right now just because this game is honestly just scaring me. They're, I mean, so to start, Atlanta, that offense scares me every week because they are a disappearing act. They can look like a top five offense one week and a bottom five offense the next. Uh, and then you have the Saints rolling in with Taysom Hill and or Jameis. You know, Jameis doesn't really check down much. We don't really – we don't even know what Taysom's tendencies are. Like you said, he's had 11 career pass attempts. And he might – it might be the same story with him. Maybe he scrambles instead of checks down. We've seen that a lot with these running quarterbacks this year, especially Kyler Murray, um, Russ. Watson doesn't really check down much. Yeah. Um, so it's just scary. Uh, now, if I'm Sean Payton, I come to this game with – in mind that I want to get the ball to my playmakers. Run. I'm thinking a run-heavy scheme with Kamara. Just get the ball into Kamara's hand in space, and good things happen for your offense, right? So yeah. I have to imagine he wants to scheme the ball to him more, especially with so much uncertainty at quarterback. I don't think they're really going to challenge the ball downfield with Taysom at all, so that might even unlock a little bit of a, of a better workload for Kamara than we usually see. So he's fine. His floor is great. He can get the 20 without scoring even in this spot. Um, so he's always completely fine. It's just this game just scares the crap out of me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, now, I think we both agree that the lock of the week at running back is Dalvin Cook, who's 9K. Yeah. I mean, what can we say about Dalvin Cook at this point? He's first in points per game on the slate. He's first in yards, rushing yards. He's averaging five and a half yards per clip this year. He has a third most money attempts on the week on the year. Uh, his red zone equity is ridiculous. I mean, I can go on and on and on about this. Um, Dalvin Cook's just great. He's had, he's easily been the best running back in the league thus far. His last three games, he's seen 34, 24, and 32 opportunities, which is amazing. Uh, even against that, even in a bad game against the Bears, he just saw 32 attempts last week. Uh, and now you get to line up with an absolutely putrid Dallas defense. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I really think that the projected game script here is perfect for Dalvin Cook. I mean, this game script is what Mike Zimmer lives for, right? <laughs> they're going to probably get an early lead and keep it. Dallas, who knows if they're going to be able to put up much of a fight, but. Here's what I like. Not only does Minnesota like to run the ball early in games, on early downs in the first half, they run the ball at the fourth highest clip in the league 58% of the time. Not only do they enjoy doing that, but they are very, very good at it. 77% uh, success rate and a six and a half yards per carry on those plays is easily the best in the league, easily. Um, so I don't see them getting away from that here. I don't see that there's really a need to. I think this is a game where we're going to see another 30-plus touches for Dalvin Cook. Absolute smash fest. Uh, Dallas 31st in yards allowed per carry. Man, could it get better for, for Dalvin in this spot? I mean, I think you just lock him in and figure everything else out. Absolutely. I also want to touch on that over the last five games that he's played, he's averaged 197 yards from scrimmage. The next highest running back on the slate 
in that metric is Derrick Henry at 125 yards from scrimmage. That is ridiculous. This is absolutely ludicrous. Um, if Alvin Cook is a lock, I you just lock him in. Kamara, he's he's a much stronger play than Alvin Kamara. Um, but yeah, you know, they're both around the same price. I, I think that if you're trying to prioritize one, it's Dalvin Cook, and it's it's really not particularly close between Dalvin. The thing about Dalvin Cook is in these chalky matchups, he seemingly never busts. Yeah. Like he always hammers in these spots. Yeah, you can look at last week against the Bears. That's a tough matchup for any running back. He still got 30 touches. Yeah. Um, so what's he gonna do in this spot against one of the bottom five defenses in the league in a game where they're projected to be up, man. I think 35 touches is in play, and I th- think we could have a, a, an absolute explosion from, from Dalvin. Yeah, for sure. So another running back play I really like, uh, and it's it's not a player that I like, but it's it's a, an amazing spot and the kind of volume that he's expecting to get at his price. Uh, um, maybe listeners are just going to turn off the, the pod when they hear the name, but so it, it's Kalen Balazs. He's, he's 5,600, and, you know, he's at home. This is a fast-paced game here against the Jets. Both teams like to play up in pace. They have a 28 implied total, uh, the Chargers do, and they're nine-point favorites. So the game environment cannot get any better for Kalen Balazs. He played 73% of the snaps last week. Um, over the last two weeks, he's averaged 20 touches and four and a half targets and 93 yards from scrimmage. All those are really solid. It's a really solid marks here for a player at, at the point where I, I just don't really care what the player is. If the player is getting 20 touches, they're getting usage in the passing game. They're being pretty effective. And the matchup is absolutely pristine uh, here against the Jets. I mean, the Jets, the one thing they can do is they, they, they're decent. Uh, at stopping the run, but I mean, as nine point home favorites of the twenty eight implied total, I, I really can see the the Chargers just leaning on on Kalen Balaz for a lot of this game, and he's a big back. I mean, he's he's like six foot two twenty six. I mean, he, he's their goal line back. He's gotten um, in the last two weeks as him being the the starter, quote unquote. Uh, he's had six carries inside the ten which is really, really solid, uh, you know, and, and he outsnapped Josh Kelly 46 to 17 last week. Tormaine Boat played none. He only played on special teams. So I think this is Kalen Blodge's backfield, 5,600 as a massive home favorite. Uh, I think 20 touches are definitely in play here. Usage in the passing game. He's been pretty effective uh, getting away from Adam Gase. And then, of course, it's a revenge game against the Jets who – um, you know, who brought him in earlier this year and then let him go. And Kalen Blodge has ties to Adam Gates from Miami. So maybe he really wants revenge on him. Uh, and, and we could see it happen. It is a Sunday. I believe they play at four. So you get a little late game hammer. Uh, you know, Kalen Blodge, this is the kind of slate we're looking at. Gosh, we're over here talking about a Kalen Blodge revenge game being cash viable in 2020. <laughs> I mean, how do we get here, dude? Two weeks ago, I wouldn't even been able to tell you what team he played for. I would have said the Jets, probably. Uh, man, as much as I hate to admit it, I can't deny the spot. It really is juicy. Nine-point home favorites against the worst team in the NFL. They're giving him they're starting. 
the starting quarterback is Joe freaking Flacco. They really should blow off the Jets. They probably will. Herbert's been electric. There's really not a lot to like at running back this week outside of the two guys we already mentioned in Kamara and Dalvin. And, you know, typically we want to slot in three running backs. We always like to play a running back in the, in the flex. But, man, this week it's just picking its straws to figure out who that third guy is going to be. The spot really is good, and he really has looked a lot better than he had under Adam Gase. Absolutely, he really has. So he has to be viable. I just don't know if I can do it personally. It's I don't know. <laughs> Let's move on before I puke. Uh, uh, this one's a little – it's kind of puke-worthy too, but uh, I'm going to talk about Duke Johnson at 5.4K. Um, last week he was obviously very chalky. Uh, but one thing I want to mention is that that weather was horrid and there was no one in that game that really did anything noteworthy. Uh, it happens. I mean, nobody's going to smash in every spot. Now, what's good to point out is he played 98% of the snaps and ran 24 routes. That is really, really great to see. I don't see that changing this week. Uh, David Johnson's still in IR. Uh, so that's really solid opportunity at 5.4K. Um, so in combination with that, the last four weeks, the Pats, I mentioned this earlier, they're really not a very good defense. They're allowing the third most fantasy points to opposing running backs, uh, a little bit over 28 points a game. Uh, they've also given up tied for the most rushing touchdowns over the last four weeks. So that's also good to see as well. Uh, I mentioned that I think this could be a sneaky shootout spot. Uh, so obviously the more, more, the more points that are scored in the game, the better chance you have your guys scoring on them. So I do think it could be a get right spot. It's not pretty by any means, but like I said, we're just throwing straws at this point to see who this third guy is going to be. I still think that Duke projects somewhere between 15 and 20 touches. Uh, I think he'll get better usage in the passing game than the one target we saw last week. I still think we're probably, you're probably projecting for three or four targets. Still not great, but at the price, I think he's fine for what we're working with on this slate. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I, I think my, my only real concern with Duke, and it's not necessarily Duke, is that the fact that New England can just dominate game script in this game and dominate time of possession and just keep Houston off the field, the thing about Duke is he needs volume to get there. And if Houston has the ball, sure, he'll get the volume to get there. I don't think that they're going to have enough time with the ball. I think that this is a game where New England just takes it and jams it down Houston's throat with Damian Harris, which they've been happy to do uh, the past couple weeks with Damian Harris and with Cam Newton, and they just run the hell out of the ball. And Houston is ill-equipped to stop their run. They can't. We, they cannot stop their run. They give up five and a half yards per carry to opposing running backs. They're 32nd. They're the worst defense DVOA against the, against the run. They can't stop the run. I, I just – I really struggle to see where Duke Johnson, and I know he's going to play probably 100% of the snaps. He played 95% last week. I understand that, and I love that. That's awesome. I just don't think that Houston's going to have the ball enough uh, to really get enough volume for Duke to get there if he's not going to be getting a lot of work. If he's not going to be getting a lot of work in the passing game. You're frozen. 
Yeah, I mean, it's for sure not without risk. Um, I would not be surprised if they just jammed this ball down Houston's throat. We've been targeting running backs against Houston all year, so your concerns are definitely definitely hurt him on my end. Um, he's at least in play. I don't know where I'm going to end up on that third spot yet. I don't even know if I'm going to end up on Kamara and Dalvin. This this is a tough slate, and this is a really tough slate. And I think choosing the right running backs might end up winning or losing money for you. Yeah, I think that uh, Balage and Duke Johnson, that will definitely be a big uh, decision point because they're basically the same price, 5,600 and 5,400. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely a big factor. I'm sure we're going to see uh, Gio Bernard, Miles Sanders, and probably Adrian Peterson with some with some ownership. As well, so I think we're really tomorrow. Uh, so moving on to the receiver position, there's a little bit of value here this week, and I, and one guy that I think we again both view as a lock is Jacoby Myers at 4900. Uh, yeah. The same game we're talking about right now, New England versus Houston. Uh, where to start? This guy's opportunity is insane. Uh, I'll throw out some numbers here over the last three weeks. Uh, since he's become a full-time player in this offense, he has a 41.9% target share, 41.9% target share, highest in the league over that span. He's played on 98% of the team's offensive snaps. That's the highest in the league over that span. He has 63.5% of the team's air yards, 63.5% of the team. Are those numbers going to sustain? No. But I do think even with the regression that's bound to hit, it's still a weird play of 4,900. And who knows if it'll hit this week or not. Uh, the total in this game uh, opened at 47. It's, it's since then climbed up 49. Uh, and the Houston pass D is just awful. They're allowing 7.8 yards per pass attempt. It's not very good. They're allowing the stone worst uh, QB rating to opposing quarterbacks, 109. They're bottom 10 in touchdown rate allowed, bottom 10 in completion percentage. They've allowed the 10th most points to opposing wide receivers. I mean, it really adds up to Jacoby Myers just continuing to smash. And at 4.9K, I think it really is a misprice. So I, it's going to be hard. We're going to be hard pressed to fade him. I think he's going to have massive ownership. Yeah. I think the craziest stat is that he has a 1.02 weighted opportunity rating over the last five games. That is ludicrous. The next highest is Devontae Adams with 0.88. It's nuts. If they throw the ball more than like 25 times, he's just a total smash. So, And I like that to happen. I really do think this game is going to shoot out. I really do. Yeah, so Jacoby Myers is awesome. Um, I, I want to mention Tyler Boyd. So Tyler Boyd, um, yeah, he, he's been really consistent. He's reached uh, 3x value on his week 11 salary. So he's 5,600. 
he's reached he's reached three X on that four out of nine games, and he's reached four X that salary twice. So um, he's got a little bit of upside in there as well. Uh, we mentioned how we like Joe Burrow, so he's a very easy stack with Joe Burrow being fifty five hundred, Tyler Boyd being fifty six hundred. Um, there's been nine players over the last five weeks that have reached at least 20% of their targets in every single game. Those nine players are Tyler Boyd, we mentioned Jacoby Myers, Devontae Adams, Justin Jefferson, Brandon Cooks, Stefan Diggs, Keenan Allen, Sterling Shepard, and Julio Jones. So you know, a couple of these guys are really elite players. And what I think what this stat really tells us is that he's getting consistent, consistent usage. Um you know, week in, week out, he's getting the volume, you know, and uh, he's taking on a Washington defense that yeah, is pretty decent. You know, they're, they're fifth DVOA against the pass. They only give up 27 uh, points per game to opposing wide receiving cores. But the reason that that is is because they don't face a lot of pass attempts. You know, they still go up 7.3 yards per attempt. So, um, you know, and this should be a fast-paced game. We know Joe Burrow throws the most in the NFL. Um you know, Tyler Boyd's averaged nine targets per game over his last five, really solid. I think that it makes it for a really nice stacking partner and a really safe floor um, with with Joe Burrow. So Tyler Boyd, do you have any thoughts on Tyler Boyd? Yeah, I mean, I think Tyler Boyd's fine pretty much every week. I know T. Higgins popped up on the injury report this week. Um, not sure where he stands. I haven't really heard about that. AJ Green has returned to being dusty after a little bit of an awakening a few weeks ago. He's garbage. Yeah, Drew Sample has really done nothing outside of that one game where he got a bunch of uh, garbage time usage. And I think it's worth mentioning that Joe Mixon's out again, and I think that's probably going to uh, force Cincinnati to lean on the pass a little bit even more. So, I mean, we're talking about the volume of Joe Burrow. I mean, the ball's got to go somewhere. And Tyler Boyd has shown that he's his favorite target this year. Um, so, I think he's fine each and every week. Yep. Uh, another guy that I really, really like, and it's tilting because I know if I play him, he's going to get hurt. Deontay Johnson at 5.9K. I'm really getting sick and tired of Deontay Johnson being priced under both Juju Smith-Schuster and Chase Claypool. This is ridiculous. I'm so sick and tired of this, and it draws me in his direction every single week. I have not landed on him, I don't think, since that week two matchup. But, man, let me just throw some numbers out here. Deontay has played six full games this year. That's weeks one and two, and then seven through ten. In those six games, he's averaged 10.3 targets a game. That's elite. Over the last four weeks, he has a 22% target share. That's still fine. Claypool's somewhere around 19. I think Juju's at 23. Um, he's playing 85% plus of the snaps to put that to comparison to Chase Claypool. In three of his last four games, Claypool has played less than 70% of the snaps. Deontay's running more routes than Claypool. He's running just as many routes as Juju, but yet Juju's price is 6,400, Claypool's price is 6,100, and Deontay is the lowest of the three at 5,900. The, the stats don't add up to that, that pricing. It's just a blatant misprice. Now, in conjunction to that, C.J. Henderson's been ruled out. He was projected to shadow Deontay in this matchup, and Sidney Jones is questionable and will probably miss this game as well. 
Um, so that's a boost to Deontay as well. And Jacksonville's defense has sucked all year, regardless of who's been on the field. Uh, I would have liked Deontay, whether or not C.J. Henderson played, whether or not Sadie Jones played. Uh, Pittsburgh's going to cream Jacksonville. I really don't see this game being anything remotely close. Um, and last, last thing I'll point out is that Pittsburgh, uh, they want to throw early and often. That's what they've done all year. James Conner hasn't looked good in the last few weeks. On early downs in the first half, they throw on 64% of the time. That's the sixth highest rate in the league. So this is for Deontay at a blatant misprice, maybe after this week when he puts up 20 points. Claypool, I can't argue that he's getting a lot of red zone targets. He's scoring the touchdowns on offense. But, man, Claypool is volume in that offense. And I think 5.9K is just, just straight up wrong. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, Deontay, if he's healthy, he's going to get the volume. He's going against a trash defense. Uh, yeah, I, I love him. 5,900, he's definitely a solid play. I also want to talk about Keenan Allen. I talked about Kalen Balazs before. Um, you know, Keenan Allen, he's 7,400. He's as safe as it as it comes. You know, we talked about the game script. They're at home, massive favorites, 28 implied total, fast-paced game. Over his last five, he's averaged 10 and a half targets per game. Uh, even last week when, you know, he only had seven targets, he still got in the box. He had a 22% target share. If 22% of the targets is his floor, good God. Uh, he's in a really solid matchup here. We know how terrible the Jets' defense is. Uh, you know, they're 32nd DVOA against the pass. They give up a 72% catch rate, 8.1 yards per attempt. They they have nothing to stop Keenan Allen in this game. I think at, at 7,400, if you're looking, if you're playing cash games, I mean, Keenan Allen is just going absolutely rip. Uh, he, he's averaging 7.2 receptions per game. And that's pacing to be the most he's had in a season since 2015. I mean, he, he he's in a really solid spot this week. Yeah, I think the only concern here is that they absolutely blow the Jets out of the water. But, man, if they blow the Jets out of the water, how do you think they got there? It's Keenan Allen. Yeah. He has now been priced up further, up to 7.4K. Finally, that's where he should be. He's the safest receiver in the league right now with Justin Herbert, other than Devontae Adams, in my opinion. Yeah. His floor, his weekly floor is so great in this offense. 7.2 receptions a game is ridiculous, man. Uh, and he's seeing – I say this every week, but he's seeing a lot more red zone usage than he has in years past. So even in games like last week where he only sees seven targets, he still got in the box and he was still useful to your roster. Yeah. Um, so Keenan Allen is just a smash fest waiting to happen every single week. And I really don't think there's an argument against him, especially in this spot. So I, I'm in love with Keenan Allen this week. Yeah. I also want to mention uh, so, some of these cheap guys. So Denzel Mims, he's popping in some models. He's 3,300 here on the other side of this game. You know, he's averaging six targets per game over his last five, a 0.59 weight opportunity, which is pretty solid. Um, but I mean, he's on the Jets and he has Joe Flacco throwing him the rock. So I'm not really sure what his upside is, but then again, he's 3,300. Um, I think my favorite cheapie uh, is going to be Michael Gallup 
at 3,700, I mean, this, this it's weird seeing him that cheap. Obviously, if Dak is in there, he's, you know, 3,700 is a total smash. He has Andy Dalton in there now. Uh, you know, Andy Dalton did play that one game and then had a concussion that went on the COVID list, and now he's back. Andy Dalton's been a competent starter. Um, you know, we've seen Andy Dalton be be perfectly fine and, you know, be elevated by his pass-catching core. And he has an awesome pass-catching core with, you know, with Michael Gallo, uh, Mari Cooper, and the rookie CeeDee Lamb. Even Dalton Schultz has been serviceable. So I, I think that Michael Gallup at 3,700 here against Minnesota in a game where we know Dallas is going to have to throw, taking on a Minnesota pass defense that, uh, you know, give up a 68% catch rate, 7.6 yards per attempt. They've been a lot better in the last few weeks. Um, but still, Michael Gallup, 3,700, I think um, the ceiling that he has at that price for his – with his – deep role that he has he gets a lot of deep targets a game his dot is 10.1 um the deepest dot uh, on the team I think that Michael Gallup still the guy is still running the routes on basically every drop back he's running like you know 45 routes a game so I think that you know the opportunities there for that cheap price I think Michael Gallup is uh definitely in play at 3700 I'm with you man I love him at that price 3700 I don't care what he's done. He should never be that cheap. It's not his fault. It's just a crowded offense. Uh, he's honestly, if a couple of DPI penalties, you know, if he converts a couple of them, we're talking about Michael Gallup in a different light right now, probably. So, I mean, 3.7K. And when we're talking about all those guys below 4K, you really only need one play from him. And Michael Gallup, in my opinion, is a great wide receiver. Even though he's had his fair share of struggles this year, he was an absolute monster last year. There's nothing changed except for the situation. Um, so Minnesota's past D sucks. They've sucked all year. They're going to continue to suck. And Dallas is probably going to be behind in this game, so they're going to have to throw. So, I mean, 3,700, I mean, you're never going to see a player of Michael Gallup's caliber that cheap. So I'm happily going to, going to pay that price and, and – slot him into my lineup this week. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, so. <laughs> moving on to, to tight end, unless you have anybody else at wide receiver. Um, moving on to tight end, I, I think it's pretty tight at tight end this week. There's a, there's a couple guys out there. But like we said, there's no Kelsey. There's no Waller uh, on this slate. So I think that, um, you know, Mark Andrews, he's 4,900. He's at home. They have the, the Ravens have a 27 and a half implied total here against uh, Tennessee. You know, the, he's never going to be getting a lot of volume as no receiver gets any kind of volume in this Baltimore offense. But he's averaging six targets per game over the last five. A 0.45 weight opportunity leads the slate among all tight ends. And he's averaging uh, 0.8 end zone targets per game. He leads the Ravens in, in end zone targets. So, you know, if we think the Ravens are going to score four touchdowns, this week, which they're projected to by, by Vegas. Uh, I think that it's a pretty good bet that Mark Andrews scores at least one of them. Um, at 4,900, I think that he is the one tight end that could break this slate. Other than that, you know, we're not talking about anyone that's going to break any kind of slate. Uh, so I think Mark Andrews, you know, Tennessee, I think you might have a chance for, for volume here against Tennessee because Tennessee – they face the second most pass attempts per game. They they face uh, 41 pass attempts per game. That's secondly right behind Seattle. So teams intentionally go out there and try to throw 
uh, against Seattle. You know, Andrews is third among all tight ends and end zone targets. Um, so I, I think that Mark Andrews is really solid. It's a nice matchup for him, you know, being at home with that massive total here against Tennessee. I think that Mark Andrews, 4,900, uh, probably the best tight end play on the slate. Yeah, another thing worth mentioning about Mark Andrews is that Nick Boyle got hurt in that game last week, and he's now out for the season. Yeah. Uh, coming into that game, those are the only two tight ends on the roster. Uh, I'm still not sure if they brought up the UFA from the UDFA from practice squad. Um, so we really could see an expanded role for Andrews um, even more so. We know Hayden Hurst was shipped off to Atlanta this, this offseason. So there's that. And I, I think another thing that suits well for this Ravens offense is I'm expecting them to play from behind. What does Tennessee want to do and what do they do well? They want to run the ball. Well, Kalias Campbell and Brandon Williams are both doubtful to, to show up, to suit up in this game. They are the Ravens run stuffers. Um, we saw the Ravens struggle to stop the run. They gave up over 100 yards on the ground to Damian Harris on Sunday night against New England. And I think if those two guys can't suit up this week, I think that Tennessee is going to dominate this game script. And I, I do think they're going to win. And it pains me to say that because I am a Ravens fan. Um, but yeah, and if if, that, if what I'm thinking is going to happen happens, Mark Andrews is it's going to be hard for him not to smash. If Lamar has to drop back and throw even thirty times, I find it almost impossible that Mark Andrews doesn't see eight targets. Um, yeah, he's been touchdown dependent, but <laughs> that's pretty much a summary of the tight end position. Uh, at least Mark Andrews is the number one target on this team. It's not Hollywood Brown. I think we've seen that over the course of the season. So at his price, you're definitely right. He could break the slate. Absolutely. Uh, so the guy I'm going to talk about is TJ Hawkinson at 4.2K. And you actually put me on him earlier today when we were chatting. I must have overlooked this, but both Galladay and Amendola were ruled out today and DeAndre Swift has also been ruled out. Yep. Uh, that's roughly, we did the math earlier. I think that's roughly 45% of the targets that are going to be off, off the table this week. They got to go somewhere. Right. Um, so that's likely going to be Marvin Jones and DJ Hawkinson, maybe some Marvin Hall, Quintus Cephas sprinkled in, but really you have to think it's Marvin Jones and, and TJ Hawkinson. Now, if you can believe it, T.J. Hawkinson's actually the tight end three on the season in half-point PPR. Uh, it doesn't seem like he's been that great, but he has – it's basically because he's been scoring touchdowns. And he, he's, he's getting decent uh, usage. Uh, over the last four weeks, he's averaging seven targets a game for a 17% target share. And with the amount of targets that are going to be up for grabs in this game, I don't think it's unreasonable to project him for around 20% of the team's targets. Uh, and at the tight end position at 4.2K, that's great, man. Uh, we usually want to punt tight end because it just sucks. But when you can get a guy who's projected for 20% of team targets at 4.2K, I mean, it's hard, it's hard not to go in that direction. Um, Carolina over the last four weeks has given up the most fantasy points to opposing tight ends, 18.6 points per game. And they play a lot of zone. Uh, so I, and I, Amendola and TJ Hawkins and also a very similar eight out. 
So I think the, that opens up the middle of the field and those, and those short passes more so in Hawkinson's direction. So I really think he is suited well for a, a projection of, I don't know, probably seven or eight targets, to be honest. And if you can get seven or eight targets out of a tight end at 4.2K, it's hard not to, it's hard not to go there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. TJ Hawkinson, 4,200. I mean, especially with his end zone role, like his, his usage in the red zone is just ridiculous. Um, you know, with no God at the only other person to contend with in the, in the red zone area is going to be Marvin Jones. And, um, you know, maybe Quintez Zepas, if he can get on the field, uh, Hawkinson is he's Stafford's guy when they get down low uh, into the end zone. So, um, you know, 4,200, he, he, I don't think he could break the slate. Uh, but I think that if you're betting on guys to score a touchdown, I think you probably put among tight ends, you probably put Andrews and you probably put Hawkinson right there behind him. Um, and maybe Hayden Hurst or something like that behind them. Um I think they're very clearly the two best tight end plays on the slate, though. Yeah, and it's worth mentioning, like you said, coming into this week, T.J. Hawkinson has the most red zone looks and the most end zone looks on the team. That's before three major parts of this offense have been ruled out. So, I mean, that goes to show you right there. He is Matt Stafford's guy in the red zone. Another guy tight end I want to just I'll just throw out there is I really do like Dallas Goddard this week, 3,800. I think he's going to continue to see an expanded role in that offense, so I think he's fine. And then if you want to punt it off with someone like Jordan Akins, I think Logan Thomas is in play at 3-3. If you really want to get bold, you can throw in some Jesse James. I mean, we just said 45% of these targets are up for grabs. He's min-priced. You can throw him out there if you want. Um, I'm always fine with punting tight end. So, yeah, over the last few weeks, if you just look at Carolina versus tight ends, they, I mean, they've given up uh, 54 yards, 159 yards to Travis Kelsey, and then 82 yards. I mean, they they really have been getting gassed by tight ends. I think it has something to do with uh, with this zone scheme that they use. I mean, they they've allowed the eighth highest success rate to opposing tight ends. Um, so I think they're really just kind of filtering stuff to these guys who can get open just and kind of sit in a spot underneath. Um, yeah, Carolina, pretty much all season, they've just been looking to play zone and limit big plays. So that opens up the security blanket. Yeah. And one more note, one more note on Hawkinson is that he's averaging the most uh, points. He's, mo- he's averaging the most DraftKings points per game of any tight end on the entire slate. Uh, get he's the seventh highest priced tight end on the slate. So even just right there, without even including matchup, he's been the best tight end on the on the slate, and he's not priced anywhere near the top. So I, I think that it's way underpriced for this role that he has. And now with with galladay has been gone, but now with Amendola not being there, I, I think Hawkinson and Andrews that's going to be a big decision as well. They are seven hundred dollars apart. So if dropping out of the Hawkinson can get you, um, can get you up from someone maybe like uh, Terry McLaurin up to Keenan Allen or something like that, um, it, that could make a difference for you on this slate. 
So with that, that's going to do it for episode 11 of the PrintFest DFS podcast. I think if I were to pick a windmill play of the week, God, I, I it's tough on this slate. I, I think obviously like Dalvin's a total lock. I'm not going to put him as a windmill. Uh, man. Don't say it. <laughs> I, I think. Don't say Caleb Balazs. No, 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 no. I, I think. And I'm going with the windmill. I, I think that the volume that he's getting, I think that this game's really going to go back and forth. I think the Washington and and uh, Bengals game, I think it's going to go really far back and forth. And I think the Tyler Boyd is the windmill play of the week. I'll go with Tyler Boyd. Well, that correlates well with my windmill. I think my windmill is Terry McLaurin. I really think he's in yeah. a week floor that he's shown over the last few weeks, even with Alex Smith, and we know what his upside is, so. I really like Terry McLaurin. He might win though. Absolutely. So that's going to do it for episode 11 of the PrintFest DFS podcast, breaking down the week 11 DraftKings slate. We're going to be back on Monday night, and uh, hopefully we did not get our teeth kicked in on DraftKings like we did last week. And uh, we'll be breaking down the process and breaking down our plays um, and how our lineups did on Monday night. Until then, good luck, everybody.